Hi, I'm Rachel Roerig. And I'm Heidi Schamberg. And this is the Market Meets Podcast. We are here to introduce you to the people behind the marketplace. The owners, entrepreneurs, investors, and community leaders who are driving the real estate economy and transforming our community. Their stories are unique. Their stories are inspiring. Their stories will make you see your community in a brand new light. These are the people behind the market. Martin Church's unique life story adds an enriching dynamic to the world of business and life in general. Once given only a short time to live, Martin prevailed to become a world traveler, outdoorsman, and extreme sportsman. His love for the outdoors led the way to his concern for the environment. He is the founder of Eco Snow Removal and Eco Lawn Care in Boulder, Colorado, service companies that focus on environmentally friendly snow and landscape solutions. Always chasing the gaining and sharing of knowledge, Martin has been on a spiritual journey where he has become a sound healing practitioner and even spent time with a Native American crow. His passion for life, people, and relationships is at the core of everything he does. Who is Martin Church? (laughs) I love it. Who is Martin Church? Martin Church is a very eclectic individual who finds it very hard to say no. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I have two children, 14 and 10, an awesome wife, which I met at summer camp. That's awesome. Married 18 years. Together, like 20-ish, maybe 21. And I'm from Nottingham, England, a small village, two hours north of London. Well, how did you get from England to Boulder, Colorado? Oh, you see, there's a great story. I was once given a week to live at the age of 12. We're going to jump right in. At the age of 12, I was paralyzed, given a week to live, pretty much. Um, they didn't know what I had at the time. Um, and I got better. And uh, I decided that I didn't want to do the regular keep going to school thing and go hang out on the park. And I became an extreme sports guy. So I was kayaking, climbing, mountaineering, doing whatever I could to live. I just wanted to just live and have a good time. Life was too short. So after doing that, I um, got certifications, this and the other, and I traveled to France and Spain and a friend of mine did Camp America, and he said, you'd be awesome at Camp America because you have all these skills. <laughs> Mad um, skills. <laughs> actually, he applied for me. I didn't even fill out the paperwork. He filled it all out for me, and I got hired at a summer camp in Pennsylvania, and I had no clue where Pennsylvania was <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I was 18 years old, and I was like, okay, sure, I'll go to Pennsylvania, and So that was in 97. I flew over to Pennsylvania and that was my dream job, working with children. The goal was to show people and give people a new life experience that I I wanted them to understand that, you know, life is about living. It's not about just getting by and working and go out and do stuff. I love that. We agree. And you continue to do that to, to this day. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about all the things you're working on right now? All the things I'm working on. Well, like I said, I can't say no. So 
lots of things have come up since we moved to Colorado in 2007. I started working for a company in the snow removal industry and amongst lots of other things in my path here, I was working in snow removal and I, I really didn't like the way snow removal across the nation was being performed and how snow removal companies were made to make a profit on putting ice meltdown and salt down, which was so negative to the environment. So I created a company called Eco Snow Removal to, and again, behind everything that I do, it's all based on education. It's not based on anything else, but trying to educate people to do things a better way. I'm not saying it's always the right way and I'll never be a master at anything because you can always get better. Even if you think you're the bee's knees at it, <laughs> You can always get a little bit better. So I created Eco Snow Removal, and again, it, it's going very well. Mm -hmm. After eight years, we're continuing to educate and change, change the thought process on how property managers, property owners think about salt use and snow removal and how necessary is it and this, that, and the other. And that really moved us into the realm of, of lawn care too. So we own, also own Eco Lawn and Garden. And that's, uh, again, an environmentally friendly. All our equipment is electric. And we try and do things the organic way so we don't put any harmful things down. We just use organic fertilizer and what's available. Some leaves and mulch and we just put it down whatever's best for the environment. No neonicotinoids, so the bees mm. are safe. <laughs> we are very be safe yeah we don't want any of that stuff we even like leaving dandelions it's crazy oh thought, my god no i know what my dad thinks the dandelions are his favorite flower he's like they're beautiful just leave them <laughs> they're just a flower by another name though i mean really they are tell everyone about what you did to your fleet of i'm assuming these trucks maybe go to the lawn care during the season depending on they do not every truck the EPA makes it difficult at times to switch trucks and, and do things, especially in different states, it's harder. But some of my trucks run on vegetable oil from local restaurants. So we get the vegetable oil and there's two tanks and we flip a switch and yeah. And whenever we're on our properties, we can use vegetable oil. That's sweet. Do they give you the vegetable oil, these restaurants, or do you have to pay for it? No, actually, I buy it from another company that pays to collect it and refine the vegetable oil. Wow, that's great. And are those trucks here in Colorado or you said other they states? They are. They're in Boulder. They're mm. cruising around Boulder. Heck yeah. So Boulder. <laughs> so Boulder. So do, are there like French, fly, French fries floating around they in your smell. gas tank too? or No, that's the refinement thing. We just filter all that stuff out. That, I'm just <laughs> She's kidding. She just was getting hungry kind of thinking about it. You know what I mean? The engine has a hard time with those French, French fries. fries. Yeah, they get Jarn. stuck in the pistons. Just like humans, we get sluggish. <laughs> we eat hamburgers and French fries. That's true. That is a true statement. It is. Okay, so being environmentally conscious is one way you give back to the community, but you are a true entrepreneur and you have done things prior to Eco Snow and Eco Lawn. Even self defense is one of the things that comes to mind and one way that you give back to, I think, the community in an education form, like you're getting to, like you're hinting towards. 
My self-defense goes back years and years, and I really let it slip a little bit when I moved to Colorado. And then I met some interesting locals that had a very unique thought process behind what it takes to defend themselves in terms of relying on things that weren't necessarily true defense. And they said, once I showed them what I knew and my skill set, they wanted to pay me to start um, teaching them self-defense. And so it all started with these two guys and one of their sons. And that exploded into something that I didn't think it was going to be. And here it wasn't my main focus at all, but it just kind of, and again, I can't say no. So <laughs> I started teaching all this stuff and I just, I want more. So I, I can't say no to people like doing podcasts for people. <laughs> for example. Um, you would never for say example, no. But also to education, to knowledge, to learn more. So once I saw a peaked interest here in Boulder and I decided to go train some more with a guy in California called Tony Blower and his technique was very different to what I'd learned. Everything I'd learned was technique-based, based on like karate and taekwondo and jujitsu. It was, okay, if this happens, this is what you do. Pony's concept is pretty much to embrace what we naturally do prior to any training. So it's all based on flinching, and but it's psychology, physiology. So now most of my clients are actually local therapists here in town, and they bring me in as a trauma-informed self. So I am very non-invasive to people that are going through PTSD or, or trauma from an event. And I work with them to build up their, to empower them, to take their power back so that they can move through life without fear, let's say. Wow, that's powerful. We were in a self-defense class as a team and it was very, it wasn't, I mean, I think it was similar in the sense of like, if somebody grabs your arm, what do you do? If somebody tries to like, somebody tries to choke you, what do you do? So it's just, I mean, I, I think that that kind of, you know, education is very important versus like, this is how you defend yourself, you know, blah, blah, blah. Walk around well, right. so you see, I want to make it so you don't need to use self-defense. So I want to make it so you're aware of someone coming close to you mm. and how to escape that position before you get physically touched. So it's also about verbal cues. It's about what you can do to avoid it. By the time someone's grabbed your wrist or attacked you, it's too late. Mm. You know, so now you're in this, we call it the red, you're in the fight already. Right. We don't want that. So we prefer to teach you techniques to avoid that. And, or listen to them speak. And it's really simple, knowledgeable stuff. So if someone comes and asks for directions, you ask them to stay back. I'm happy to help you find Pearl Street. Just stay right there and I'll point you in the direction you need to go. I don't need to look at your phone. I'm from here. Right. You know, and you know, people use ploys, people use things like that, or it's just an ambush, which is very difficult. And we, we talk about all of those. And I could geek out on all of this stuff very easily. Um, we don't actually teach wrist grabs because it's very rare that people are grabbed by the wrist. In fact, those techniques come from 
when people carried swords and you would grab their wrists so they wouldn't draw their sword. Oh, okay. And so we don't, we don't teach any of that stuff. Now we're we only carry, carry phones. Swords. We just carry phones. Yeah, we, we, we carry phones. Yeah. It's <laughs> a whole swords. different style of self-defense. Exactly. There's, <laughs> there's a whole technique Depends. for that. Yeah. The, the <laughs> iPhone 6 plus or 10 plus XR double V Q is wow. very difficult to defend against. I, <laughs> I feel that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, that's fascinating um, work that you're doing. So what's a, besides the directions example, are there any other examples that you'd like to share with our listeners? Any other examples? It's hard to, to verbalize it when you don't physically see it, but Everything that we talk about and teach in, in self-defense class is based on science. It's based off visually seeing, you know, we have cameras all over the world now and on our cell phones. So we now have all this evidence of what happens to people under threat and mm-hmm. under duress and how they act physically, emotionally, um, psychologically. We have all this information. So we have basically taken that and converted it into, okay, this is going to happen. What's the combative response to that? So one of them, like I said, I think earlier is it's based off flinching. So we want you to flinch because it's the number one thing that the brain will use to defend itself. So the body will flinch. So if, if you turn on the tap, I think you call it a faucet here, right? Right. You turn on on the faucet and it's hot water and you put your hand in it, you pull your hand away, right? Right Right away. You you drop whatever you're holding in the water and you let go and you pull it away. That's a flinch. So we teach that in a self-defense platform. So if somebody does something, we want you to embrace that flinch. You'll have to take a class. I know. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of rewind. So you're from Nottingham, England, and you came to summer camp in Philadelphia, and that's where you met your wife, Pennsylvania. Yes, Pennsylvania, the Pocono Mountains. Poconos. Beautiful. You met your wife there. So you have this, like, love, sense of purpose surrounding the environment and protecting the environment. Where did that come from? Like, is that... Where did it come from? Like, why do why do you care? Why do you care about the earth so much? I mean, um, because it cares for me. Hmm. (laughs) um, And I'm not saying that from a place of like I don't care. Like, I am a very I'm like a tree hugging (laughs) hippie, just not the crunchy kind. And so I I just am curious, like, where your inspiration came from to start environmentally friendly businesses. Well, first of all, I think I need to say that I'm actually from Derbyshire, but Nottingham is the easiest place to tell Americans where I'm from because of Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> so if bad. any of my English friends ever see this podcast, they might be a little upset. <laughs> Guys, we're actually so, talking about Robin Hood now. Represent. Yes. yes. So I'm from Derby, Derby, England. Derby. And the love for the environment, I guess it all stems to kayaking and climbing and, mm-hmm. and mountaineering. And just these pristine environments that I've been fortunate to go and play in. And now I have a sense that those environments aren't as clean as they used to be. 
Right. And but I want my kids to play in them too, right? And I'm, you know, my kids can kayak, and you know, if they're gonna kayak in a river that's full of salt and no fish, and that they're putting sand down on the roads, and the sand gets into the storm drains, which then ends up in our creeks, and it breaks down the ecosystem because it covers up the plants that all the microorganisms and insects that the fish eat live in there. We're going to lose that. And it's something that I've enjoyed for years and years. And if we don't think about it, if we're not conscious about it, and we don't educate ourselves about what our impact is where we live, we're going to lose where we live and then mm -hmm. where are we going to be? Mm -hmm. You know, as much as I'd love to go to Mars, it's not really the environment that I thrive in. <laughs> I agree. So I think that's where it comes from. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, I mean, I, we, I have goosebumps and people at home are listening. And I mean, I know that like people use salt all the time and people use sand all the time. So do you have any alternatives that are easily shared for easily shared? Like that you could I, talk that you not could trade talk secrets. To. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no trade secrety stuff i think the best advice is don't believe what you see on the bag of ice melt to begin with you know it, it might say pet friendly but it's not i i strongly encourage you guys to do the research um i mean there's no governing body overseeing what companies write on ice melt bags so there's a particular ice melt out there that, that has no salt written on the bag but right underneath where it says no salt, it says magnesium chloride. Well, magnesium chloride is a salt, right. you know, but people will see the no salt Bigger. and yeah. mm -hmm. it's a bit of a fib. And so do your education, do your due diligence, learn. There is a salt, salt product that it's a non-salt product that I use called Entry, which is liquid. The difficult thing about it is it's a little more expensive than the granular salt you put down. The other thing about it is because it's liquid, you don't see it. The whole idea of putting salt down isn't so you see it and so you feel it. You know, I have clients that go, I want to feel the crunch under yeah. my feet. They, they want to know you if did you it. If you feel the crunch, it's too much salt. Hmm. You know, the, the concept is that you put enough salt down that when the snow falls or the ice builds up, it turns into water and brine. And, and that's it. And then it dries up. We live in Colorado. The sun's going to come out and it, it'll be beautiful. You know, a lot of misconceptions about salt is put more down because more is better. That's actually not true. In fact, you know, depending on what salt you use, it can actually make ice build up faster. It can actually make the salt or render the salt not as efficient because the more you put down, the less efficient salt becomes it needs that moisture yeah my mind's blown she just I had a mind-blowing like, experience so yes yeah, so, you know i think again use it sparingly use it when it's only necessary i think if you shovel your walk and there's nothing built up and it stops snowing don't put any salt down right not necessary less is more people less definitely is more 
Well, what about your garden then? I mean, I know we're in the winter seasons and we have uh, snow right around the corner or a few days ago. However, you know, Colorado with all their composting and I mean, gardening, I've learned a lot about neonicotinoids and taking care of our sweet bees and how important they are to our life on earth. So do you have any like mind blowing gardening tools? I don't know what to call it. Because <laughs> I want to know. Now I want to know oh. all the secrets, Martin. Robin? You want secrets. Robin? You want classified information. Right. I think the um, the biggest thing is don't clean up your leaves. Every I just watched a really interesting documentary and, and video regarding leaves and how actually putting leaves in a landfill is negative. It, doesn't break down properly. Oh, really? It's not as efficient. Yeah, because the the microorganisms that feed off leaves and things mm-hmm. are in the grass. They're in our garden. Right. Not They're not in the landfill. Okay. So it actually breaks down slower. It takes longer, and it releases more methane gas. And that methane gas is actually more harmful than the CO two. What? So I get to leave the leaves? I don't have to do the yard work? Actually, if my husband listens to this, he'd be like, you do yard work? Yeah, he's what? like, you've never done it anyway. <laughs> Just kidding. He doesn't have to pick up the leaves? Right. You can lay off him for picking up the leaves? <laughs> so the best thing to do is mulch them up and, and use them. Right. I'm not sa- saying that you, you mulch them up and leave a blanket all over the lawn because it can kill the grass. Right. But if you have more leaves than you can leave on the grass safely, collect them and put them in a compost or collect them. We, fortunately in Colorado, you know, we have a compost service and, and they pick it up and they actually use it. And then we can go and buy the compost from <laughs> dumps, which is amazing. And so then use that, but as much as you can, just use the leaves in your garden, even in the flower beds that you have. I know everybody like, got weed cloth down and mulch down and but there's nothing wrong with leaving leaves on mulch it's it's all the same product it's a dead plant you yeah. know well that makes i sense. think that was pretty mind-blowing to be honest thank you for that <laughs> i think people can get a lot out of that <laughs> tick trick um, tricks and tricks tips and tips for martin yes it's good stuff it is good stuff (laughs) and it's very boulder friendly and i want to touch on i know that i don't know a good way to like interlude into it other than transition transition other than what it's doing for me which is inspiring i I think i might know where you're going you want me to help with this transition i would love that yes please do so going from care of the environment and caring of mother earth and where we live how about caring for ourselves beyond self-defense? Mm. Is that where you were going? Yeah, pretty much. Great transition. Right, and the journey that you've been on most um, most of your life, but even more so recently, if you could speak to that, I feel like the listeners would really get a lot out of that. Like yeah, me. it's... <laughs> like me personally. You can direct me with questions if you wish, but... Where to start? So at the age of 12, I had this profound moment of how am I going to live forever? Mm. And, and people in the past have said, why do you want to live forever? And it's not the fact that I want to live forever. It's the fact that I would like to leave something behind. Mm. So 
at the age of 12, I chose that I wanted to share enjoyment of kayaking and climbing with children and adults and, and teach. Because whenever you teach, you are passing on a lineage of knowledge that you're going to leave behind with you. Mm-hmm. And so, again, this is why it's so hard for me to say no, because I want that knowledge so then I can pass on more knowledge, so on and so forth. And I think there's something pretty cool about we don't have to leave anything physical, but we can leave something that is hopefully going to impact whatever I teach my children and they, and they teach their children and so on and so forth. It becomes this escalating fact of what we've done. And then in, in that, I guess you could say that there was a spiritual path about it that I chose what I wanted to do at the age of 12 and that I made everything happen. So I chose to start doing kayaking. I chose to come to America. I told my wife that I loved her and I was going to marry her after three days of knowing her. Oh my gosh, cute. And she didn't believe me. (laughs) (laughs) Now she does. But it happened. And so I had this very strong thought process of I can do whatever I want to do. We can make anything happen. And I would say since moving to Colorado, it becomes more and more obvious to me that this is a true path that you Mm. can truly create whatever you would like to create as long as you believe in what you're doing. And so a few years ago, I was asked to buy a Himalayan singing bowl. It's a, a small bowl made in the Himalayan mountains. Mine are made in Nepal. And uh, that's made of seven metals. And my wife asked for one for her birthday. And I had no clue what they were. And so I Googled, you know, Himalayan singing bowls, Boulder, Colorado, and a little warehouse popped up. It was just a mile from where my eco snow warehouse is. So I drove over there and, and met the owner. And he put this bowl on my back. I have a, a bad back or did have a bad back. And he played this bowl. He used a, a little leather mallet and rubbed the edge of this bowl. And it starts to vibrate and make noise. And he placed it on my back and it was incredible it was um it was more than a massage it was deeper than a massage it was it was very cool and i found my wife a a little bowl for her and but i was then addicted to this thing i i wanted to play it i learned to meditate through this there was a few other things that happened in pittsburgh and philly on my way to colorado that led to meditation and spirituality, but I never delved into it as deeply as I did once I got a hold of a singing bowl. Huh. And, and again, I wanted to know more. So they do training here in Boulder. So I went through all the training and became a certified sound healing practitioner. And so we use the singing bowls to place on your body or around your body to help realign the chakras or the energy, however you choose to call it, just to, to put things back into balance. You know, physics dictates that everything vibrates all the time. 
right? Mm -hmm. So everything around us, the microphone that you're sitting on, the light switch behind you, the wall, the chairs, the floor, it's all vibrating at specific frequencies. And so are, are trees. And trees vibrate at a particular frequency that actually resonates with our, it's the gland actually that, that creates joy and happiness. So when we walk through the, the woods mm -hmm. and we, we're feeling better and we're feeling more relaxed and calm, you think it's because the trees are calming and the air is blowing and you hear the leaves, but truly it's the trees and the resonance that they're giving off that are penetrating your body and, and creating this chemical. Wow. Um, no freaking way. <laughs> no That's awesome. Way. I'm so blown away. I really want to see one. Will you, will you show me it? Are they little? <laughs> no, they can be. Matt. They have bowls. They call them mother bowl, and oh, you can actually ball. stand Ooh. in these bowls, and we can strike them, and then we'll play one above your head and, and one, the one that you're standing in, and resonate your whole body while you're standing. But I don't have a mother bowl. But let me see. Oh, there's one in the office. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm so excited. It just so happens that I have a bowl right here. Yes. Oh, why? Yes. <laughs> uh -huh. There you go. Wow. So this is a sea ball. Okay. We have a little mallet right here, and we'll see if this can pick it up. Sometimes microphones struggle to pick the sound up. Oh, I can't hear it, but it's cool. It. Wait. So do you like stand in it, or like what do you you? That you, you would place this on your body, or, like or you can play it around you. So it can be done on the floor or a massage table. Wow. Yeah, you might have, this is a bigger one. Whoa. <laughs> She's... <There you> go. <laughs> wow. So that got me into learning a lot of different techniques and how our body is affected and we use that now for my toothache that I had yesterday and, and other things. And basically, we just know that we are bombarded by sound every single day from vibrations in the cars and the TV, video games, your phone vibrates. So if you think of us, we're mostly water, right? right. But we're made up of elements. And these elements all get all out of whack and get out of alignment. So we use different notes of the singing bowls, the seven, and we, we help realign those vibrations and that energy to where it's supposed to be. That makes sense? Yes, fascinating. I mean, it makes sense because you're telling it to us. We, I think, need to come experience it for ourselves. That would be like well, the next we should thing. Do. Yeah. Yeah, sign me up. Uh-huh. We'll set that up. Well, okay. So self-defense <laughs> yes. got signed up. We've okay. got a Himalayan singing bowl. Yeah, um, we, don't have time. we don't have time to podcast, y'all. We got to <laughs> yes. go hang out with Martin Church. <laughs> <laughs> We've got stuff to do. That's funny. So that led me to, I met many interesting people through sound, sound therapy. And I was very fortunate to meet Native American Crow Indian from Montana. And we shared some experiences over a weekend of, of doing pipe ceremony and hiking in the woods and the 
being a part of nature and Mother Earth. And he invited me to go and learn some of their indigenous ways up in Montana with him. I spent, I think, six months going back and forth on the phone, talking about culture and how actually how he uses singing bowls in his life now. And he's embracing a Nepalian culture. And he wants to share his culture with non-natives too. And there's a little bit of pushback about some of the stuff that he's teaching. But for the most part, it's, it's husbandry of the earth. It's how you respect people and the earth. And a lot of their ceremonies are, are to do with the creator and, and mother earth. And the creator is the sun. So everything that they do is based around facing, facing east. So their doors faced east. One of my favorite things about what I've been learning about the bowls and, and my Native American experiences is that everything becomes living. And so when they put a peace pipe together or a ceremonial pipe, it gets treated with the utmost respect because it's alive. It becomes a living thing. And it can choose whether it smokes or not decide that, yeah, we're not doing a ceremony today. We, we don't get to smoke. Huh. Um, okay. It's pretty, pretty incredible. And so that's what happens with the bowls is, you know, once we play them and once we, they, they're alive, they're a living thing. And we have to respect and understand that it's a part of our world. There's, it's seven elements put together in the shape of a bowl to help us. And, and so once we strike it or play it, invite it to, to vibrate, it's a living thing, just like everything. So now I've integrated this into my life where my lawnmowers, my environmentally friendly lawnmowers that are 100% electric are also a living thing and they help us. And in fact, if you think about it, once my staff hold them and walk with them, they come a part of their body. They're an extension of, of that human experience. Therefore, it's a part of our living experience. Therefore, it's living. It might be a stretch and other people might not agree, but I think that if you treat anything well and treat it with respect and treat it in the same way you would treat a living creature, then it's probably going to last longer Yeah. than if you don't give a crap about it. Right. And it gives back to you. I get it. I get no, the comment. I think yeah. it's, a, it's a way of living with more gratitude for everything that you touch. Right. And consciousness. This is true. So, yeah. That's, that's wow. so, awesome and, and inspiring. Are you inspired? Yeah, I'm totally yeah. inspired. Can I just move in? Like, can I be your third kid? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to tell I take I care of myself. Yeah, but. right now. But I definitely think we could, and on top of the self-defense and on top of the medicine bowls, we could just have hangout sessions where we can absorb some of the inspiration. But I would love to hang out. Do you guys like hiking? You want to go hike? Yeah. We do. I like it. And then, uh, well, then we should go for a hike and we can do a ceremony. Perfect. Let's do that it. sounds magical. It does. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with any of our listeners about yourself or your businesses or any last remarks? 
Any last remarks? No, it's always don't stop just because you think you're successful and don't, or you think that you don't have time to, to learn this or you don't have time to do this. Don't do it. You know, just embrace. If something gets put in your path, embrace it, learn it, understand it. Even if it's just for an hour a week to just pick up a book and read a couple chapters of the book. Don't stop learning. Don't stop gaining knowledge because when you do, you become stagnant and stagnant water smells. <laughs> but if you're a river of knowledge, just flowing, constantly wanting more, never wanting to stop, then you're, it's just going to be an amazing journey. I love but, it. So I would say that that's my, my closing comment. Keep learning. Don't stop. Be a river. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that with our listeners and for letting us share you with our listeners. And can you tell us where people can find you? People can find me normally at the pub around five o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can find me at egosnowremoval.com, egolawnandgarden.com, vibrationsforliving.com. All right. All these crazy places online. I'm sure if you Google Martin Church, I'm going to pop up on one of those websites. So, oh, reach out to Heidi. She's got my number. She knows where to find me. <laughs> I can get you in touch. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And it was really nice to meet you. It was a pleasure to meet you virtually, too. I can't wait to meet you physically, too. And, <laughs> and shake hands and give you a hug. Yes. Perfect. Love it. We hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about Martin Church. We nearly just scratched the surface here. For more information and to get in touch with your new favorite Brit, please check out his bio and contact information on our website and in the comments.